how do you strike the right notes uh, when you're advertising for the holidays, knowing that your customers are stuck at home, uh, an increasing number is unemployed? Well, I'm all in Peloton right now. I'm canceling my other memberships to other like digital services. Like I'm in. If I'm going to see more uh, uncapped ads from the same advertiser running over and over and over again, like for the love of God, Hulu, YouTube. For the love of God, frequency cap on Hulu. Jeez, come on. Did you know that Starbucks calls their drinks coffee? Like, I Allegedly, yeah, yes. It's just brown caffeinated water. This and then this and then this and then this and then this. It's boring as hell. Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of the 30-Minute CMO, um, our new weekly feature that a lot of people seem to like. Ad Talk is back for another round of good banter between myself and Alex McNamara. Hey, Alex. Hey, Gosha. Good evening. That was a dramatic pause. <laughs> <laughs> I was on mute, so I think I owe five bucks to the part of being on mute. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, well, now that we're both equipped with nice professional podcasting equipment, we should hopefully have fewer of these technical glitches. Um, but yeah, we left off uh, last week with a few topics we didn't get to cover. So we wanted to start with those. Um, some of them touch very directly on the world of marketing and advertising. Others are a little bit more broad. Um, we enjoy the sort of mix. We hope you do as well. Um, I think it's only fair to start with uh, with the topic that concerns both of us, which is the future of work, something that's been covered on social media ad nauseum. Some people are in the, firmly in the camp of we're all going back to the office and that's going to be that. And others are like, nope, I'm going to work from the Bahamas for the rest of my life and there will be no decrease in my contribution. And uh, they're very firmly in that, in that uh, pot. And then there's obviously a huge chunk of us who are like, we don't know what's going to happen please tell us. So we've both been working from home, just like probably most of you for, for, for some time. Obviously, we should caveat that we consider ourselves lucky to be able to, to have this privilege of working from home um, as our work allows us to do that. Here's my personal view. I think that um, there's a lot of inefficiencies uh, to the office. And I think some of those inefficiencies actually create uh, the things that offices are known for, which is that um, collaboration, creative magic, uh, whatever whatever it is, you know, the water cooler conversations that might turn from idle chat into great ideas. Um, and so uh, I am in the camp of we should have a blended future where some of our time is spent working from home, some of our time is spent with our colleagues in the office. I do think that we can differentiate the kind of work that we do really, really well sitting, sitting at home. Um, I find myself uh, being way more productive in certain tasks because there's fewer distractions. There's um, less having to get up and walk to meetings, uh, fewer interruptions from colleagues. Um, and so that's great. On the flip side, I also miss the spontaneity, the collaboration, the 
um, ideas flying around you. And so I feel like long-term that's going to be limiting my creativity. We are in a creative profession afterwards or after all. Um, Alex, what do you think? You are firmly in the creative space as well. Um, how do you see it? hundred percent. I, I agree. I, I think you hit the nail on the head with that hybrid, uh, approach. Um, like you, I do a lot more work when I'm on my own and I'm able to really like heads down, focus on, you know, responding to, you know, a pitch or, you know, pulling together a media strategy with, you know, the, the teams that we have to, at the same time, you know, we used to work together. I think we solved a lot of the, the, you know, account problems that we had, some of the pitch problems that we had by just hanging out in your office, um, spitballing, and then getting to a solution, which we didn't think we were going to get to, you know, walking together to go get lunch, those kinds of things. So I think, you know, the office is a dead camp, I think is, is going to be detrimental to those people. I think maybe in the short term, you can do a lot of, you know, remote working, but I think people are going to miss the, the interaction together. I think Creature in London has done a pretty good job of instigating a, that split. What they're doing now is saying Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, everyone works from home. Tuesdays and Thursdays, everyone's in the office. Mm. Um, I think it's very rigid, but I think that's a, it sets up a really good precedent of you're not required to be in the office just to be there. And I think where we were before was if you were working from home, it was seen as you're slacking. And we've you know, I'm, I'm sure a lot of people have taken advantage of being at home and also not, you know, just moving your mouse so it looks like you're active on Slack and that kind of thing. Um, or, you know, working from home and actually driving up to somewhere else or being on a boat in the ocean. So, you know, there has to be some accountabilities, but I think, you know, for the most part, you know, working from home can be very productive. Um, I, I, what I think it is, it, it, it's going to be for me personally, I do a lot of my work remote anyway. Like we go into the office in LA, but the teams I work with are in Boston, New York, and Chicago. So I work remote for the most part. And I think, getting taught how to work remote or getting remote work training to be more effective is going to be really important. And I think people will need to develop that skill to not worry about bothering people um, whilst they're IMing. And I feel like, you know, instant messaging, whether it's Teams or Slack becomes the new, you know, fly by in the office. You just like team someone, wait for them to reply, have a conversation, jump on a call, that kind of thing. Do you, um, do you think the, things like gossip um, have decreased, uh, increased or stayed the same or taken a different, um, I guess, a different look or shape during this time? I think, I think gossip has stayed the same. I just think it's on WhatsApp and iMessage and not in person and not on your company chat program. That's Although that, I think people may not be, <laughs> some people may not be smart enough to not put it in their chat. Um, yeah, I guess it's, it's interesting because obviously gossip is part of the fabric of life of any office. And I think people sort of bond over common challenges, common frustrations, as well as obviously common successes, wins, and, 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 and just work in general and um, how it carries over into this remote work environment will be interesting in the long term because I think those of us who've been working with each other for a long period of time sort of just took those relationships easily to the digital space. For people entering the workforce yeah. now, how do they develop um, these um, 
work friendships. Um, it's one thing to be professionally collaborative. It's another thing to find your buddies, your kind of click at work. How do you think that's going to look like? I, 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 I've done this twice now. Once when I moved to McGarry, San Francisco, once when I moved to my current agency now, when in my last at McGarry, I had to work a lot with the New York team and specifically the New York production team. And like the account production team was a really crucial point in getting things moving and having a good working relationship helps everyone. And you just have to be very, you, you kind of, you have to approach it as if they're your friend already and just build that relationship and make them feel comfortable. Um, I can't remember who, I think it's been said by many people, but it's, it's like, you know, people like you not for um, what you do, but how you make them feel. And if you treat them with, you know, treat them as a friend from the get go, I think that goes a long way. You know, a lot of people are you know nervous and I'm not saying that I'm super confident in anything, but having that um, experience of like having to treat someone and build a relationship really quickly, just through phone calls and emails and texts, you know, just acting as if they're your best mate already goes, goes like a long way. All right. Well, I think we've uh, solved the future of work. It is a Monday, Wednesday, Friday, work from home, Tuesday, Thursday in the office, and just act like you're everyone's friend and everything will be all right. But sincerely, act like it sincerely. Don't pretend. That'll, that'll, make, that'll cause you enemies and you don't want that. And if you're pretending, be damn sure that you're good at pretending. <laughs> fake it till you make it. Exactly. Speaking of faking it till you make it, um, new habits that we've formed this year that we don't want to give up. Now, I know we've been talking a lot about the home gyms. You already have a Peloton. I jumped on the bandwagon uh, a few weeks ago. I've got 12 days, I think, or so until my Peloton arrives. I cannot wait just in time for Oregon winters when I can't do my outside exercise anymore. Um, but what... I think we've all had to form, we've been forced to form new habits, you know, home gyms versus in-person gyms, um, dining in, cooking for yourself versus going out and cooking, streaming movies versus going to movie theaters. Like there's a lot of things that we've done. So I would like to work out like between us, what are the things that you've had to form a new habit on that you love? And what is, what are some that you hate that you can't wait to go back to normal? So for me, cooking versus dining out, I love cooking. So having to cook every day is not a big deal for me because I love it. It's like my meditation, relaxing time, you know, finishing a long day at the, at the desk. I can walk now 10 feet to the kitchen and be able to be cooking in a matter of minutes rather than sitting on the 405, crawling my way home. Um, so that for me is great. What I don't like, something that I've re recently realized is when Disney Plus released their Mulan movie straight to streaming mm. and they were like hey you can stream it first it'll cost you 30 bucks and I was like hell no <laughs> absolutely not but that's a, that's but, a cost of like two tickets and not even popcorn yes exactly but on the face of it the the money is the same like I have my AMC pass so I actually get you know all of get to go to movies for free and pay 23 bucks a month and if that's still around I cannot wait to have that back but whilst I'm paying 30 bucks for me and Lauren to go to the um to the cinema I'm not getting it home 
is that full immersive experience with the giant screen and the surround sound and the comfy, well, not so comfy. My server is definitely comfier, but you know, the, 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 the recliner seats, like that whole experience of going, experiencing the movie um, is great. And there, there are, there are ways that you can get, um, there are ways that you can get that experience at home with, you know, a DTS, you know, surround sound, um, subwoofer, big TV at home, dim the lights, make your own popcorn better and cheaper. <laughs> but going to the movie to go and see it in that, I, I love it. I love going to the movies. It's great, but I know people don't like it. So that's, that's where I stand on that. Hard stance. Yeah, well, look, I, I'll, tell, I'll tell you the thing that I'm not going to miss. Um, I'm not going to miss uh, work lunches. Um, two reasons. Extremely mediocre food that is vastly overpriced. And is this your homework lunch or is this? Oh, no, no. The, the lunch at work, the lunch, the lunch that you have to get into your car, travel to wait in line, pay a lot of money, buy, not enjoy, travel back to the office, that whole routine, uh, that we keep justifying to, to ourselves, the ROI there is, is, is absolutely minimal home cooked lunch during the work week. Amazing. Truly a little bit of time to recharge clear your brain, not have to deal with any of that nonsense. So not going to miss the office lunch situation coming back. I'm sure people working at Google will not agree with me because they get (laughs) Michelin starred meals every day for free. But for for the rest of us, for the rest of us, that's that's not a reality. Um, With you on the Peloton um, and um, home exercising in general, um, what does annoy me is that everyone decided to build a professional home gym almost overnight. It seems like try and go try and try and buy dumbbells these days. I bought two on eBay for 150 bucks, $150 for two pieces of rubber with some metal bars stuck in between them. I, I tried as well. It's, it's impossible. Amazon is sold out until October no one is selling them for like actual cost. It's insane. It's, 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 it's absolutely crazy. And the stuff that has just gone out of inventory, if you, if you look at it, like rollerblades, try and buy rollerblades in America right now. I, I, I think like what's going to end up happening is like in about six months time, we're just going to have an influx of like dumbbells and rollerblades and treadmills and bikes on Craigslist because people will be like, I'm, the ex- I'm, I'm done. Like no, not, yeah, no longer done. interested. And like, I'm just waiting for that to happen because there's just no way, no way that people are going to be in mass doing all of these things that they're just hoarding right now. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, otherwise I do, I do miss dining out uh, from time to time, but more for the experience of it rather than the food. I think the food at home has proven to be, to be healthier and better. I definitely feel like I'm healthier eating at home than eating out. Um, yeah, and, um, and man, homemade coffee is just good. It's just good coffee. It's just good. It's just, and it's not as expensive as going to buy coffee. That's what I love. Yeah. It's so and good. The thing that you can spend way more on really, really good beans and have 10 X, you know, amount of coffee um, than you would for this, you know, for the same price as two bad Starbucks. Yeah. Did you know that Starbucks calls their drinks coffee? Like, I allegedly, yeah. yes. It's just brown caffeinated uh, water. Bean water. <laughs> yeah. Bean water. Hot bean water. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, but uh, speaking of Peloton, um, I thought this was great because we do have to talk about, we do talk about marketing sometimes. I thought an email I got from them today was really, really good. 
they just announced. Uh, sorry, they just announced the Bike Plus uh, today. It's at like two thousand four hundred, two thousand five hundred um, base cost, and they've cut their old bike, the original, the Bike Series Three. It's like eighteen fifty or something, and it used to be twenty one, twenty two around that, and. So they were like, well, if we just decrease the price, bring in this new one, people are going to be furious, but they already have ordered their bikes or own their bikes already. So really, what are they going to do? Not much, probably. But rather than like just try and maximize revenue or maximize the amount of money they're taking in, they emailed me and said, hey, you recently bought or you're waiting on your bike. We've, we've, we're announcing today um, it's going to be lower cost. So we're going to refund you 350 bucks. Um, you don't have to do anything. It'll appear in your account in you know, 10 days. And I was like, that's such a great move from them because they didn't have to do it. They could have done it and tried to um, make you jump through hoops to try and apply for a refund. They could have made you wait four or five months to get a check in the mail. Like I had to do with Hilton. I'm yeah, on blast Hilton. Four months I had to wait for a $135 re- refund. Thank you. Um, but they did it and they're just like, they're like, this is the right thing to do for our customers. We want to build a community. And like, that really got me. And I, I'm all, I'm all in Peloton right now. I'm canceling my other memberships to other like digital services. Like I'm in. Let's do you it. don't even have Get my bike here. You're quick. like a fanboy. You don't even have it. I don't even have it yet. I don't even have it, but the app for your floor workouts is really good. So I did that and it was really hard and my abs hurt now. Um, well, not abs yet. The new the new Peloton Peloton Plus. Uh, by the way, can we just acknowledge that the treadmill the tread is four grand four grand for a tread. Um, You're insane. Gim- gim- You're insane. Gim- swivel screen gimmick no gimmick. Uh, I don't know yet. I want to believe it's not a gimmick because on the one the, the first. Um, live session i did with the peloton um just like on the floor uh, i'm seeing all of the cool words now because i'm like peloton um but on the floor they were like oh yeah if you were with me on my bike ride just now you'll already be warmed up and i was like that's a great idea you know you can you can have a 20 minute or 40 minute bike ride and a 20 minute you know core workout and if you just get off the bike take your clips off swivel the screen around you're ready for your you're ready to go what i think you know, and I, and I haven't obviously haven't used the bike yet. You'll, you give me your experience from using the bike, but you have the screen up and you can hear it, but you can't see it unless you're sort of next to it. I would find that awkward Yeah. to try and do all I, this. But what do, you, what do you think? You actually have the bike. Uh, by the time I, I don't so much get off the bike as I ooze off the bike. So I don't think that, <laughs> I think the only floor exercise I can do is, uh, is a face plant into the, into the floor. Um, but yeah, I could I could see it being useful, and I think they upgraded their speaker system because the one that they currently have is pretty pretty cruddy. So yeah, I I you know is it a gimmick? Um, feels like it is a little bit gimmicky because you can obviously do all of those things with the older Pelotons. But I think they did a great job of providing those refunds and kind of you know keeping keeping you loyal and um, and excited about about joining the community. Um, so yeah, well done Peloton. Um, going to be racing you soon on those bikes. Um, Definitely. You know, touching back on uh, something we, we were discussing just before this, but also with the new habits that we formed this year. I mean, we also had to form professional habits in our in our world in marketing. Uh, pitching is part and parcel of of what we do. 
And um, there was um, a really interesting uh, YouTube clip that you uh, shared with me um, a little while ago about the writers from South Park kind of sharing their writing um, writing lessons, or I guess their takeaways, their main rules. Um, and not just writing, but storytelling in general, right? Um, I think for me, the, 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 the takeaway was that um, there are some very subtle nuances that really change the power of the, of the words that you're saying. And um, I go back to my college days uh, when uh, my, one of my professors said, you know, make every, the start of every sentence punchy, make it, make it, make it make a statement. Don't start it with things like however or but, uh, because you already immediately deflate the power that that sentence is going to have. Um, and that's a lesson I've, carry, I've carried through. Similar kind of approach from the South Park guys. Uh, I'd love for you to share like what you took away from it and how it can be applied to um, how we pitch, how we approach conversations with each other, with customers. Yeah, this was really great. Um, it, it, it's essentially uh, thinking about the story in which that you want to make, the story you want to tell. And if the story goes this and then this and then this and then this and then this, it's boring as hell and it's not engaging for the listener or the watcher or whatever medium you're in. Um, and that's how I used to tell my stories. It was very much a linear flow of starts here, goes this way and ends here. And it's great if you're you know, making an argument, you have to have some logic flow. It's really not great if you're trying to keep people entertained or keep people on, you know, as you're telling a story, especially if you're you know, pitching something or if you're trying to get some work through or even you're telling a story within, you know, an advertising. And, and their rule was in each point between, between the this and this, um, it has to be either therefore or but. So this, therefore this happens, mm-hmm. therefore this happens, but then this happens, therefore this happens, but this happens and therefore this happens and therefore this happens. And it changed how I would think about um, pulling a deck together. Um, you know, media decks generally are quite heavy and they're not, it's not like a creative deck, which has got pretty pictures and great messaging and strategy. So having this like therefore, but, um, I applied it literally as soon as I saw it, I went into a, a deck review and I just went through and I literally added the words therefore and but on each of the slides. And it just changed how I thought about organizing the, uh, organizing the work, organizing the thinking and organizing the story. And it felt way more cohesive and way more interesting than have I, had I done it just this and then this and then this, which is a very logical way of doing it. And by changing it up, you can really get like you, you going in a direction and you can see goes, ah, oh, yes. And then this happens. Okay. And then therefore this, yep. Yep. But if you do this, then therefore this happens. I just thought it was, it just changed how I approached everything. It, it creates a causal relationship between your ideas, right? Between what you're saying versus just a linear, um, a, a list essentially that's that it shows the impact, the thing you just said having on yeah. the thing that you're saying right now. Which is, which is, I guess, for them, uh, is what keeps their stories punchy and flowing. And for us, allows us to take our fairly dry and cerebral um, things that we're trying to communicate and make them digestible and, um, and, and causal. Yeah, I think especially if you're looking at um, like reporting or you're sharing out results or you're sharing out like a, um, 
like a camp end of campaign uh, review. And, you know, we've all sat in these meetings where it's like, so we did this and then here are the results and here are the things that we saw. And then here is the other, other, other channel and here is what we saw. And this is what happened. Um, and if you take this therefore, but um, you can really make it more punchy. You can take it, you know, we did this, therefore this happened, cause effect. And but in this channel, we did this, therefore this happened. And then you have something which is more interesting that uh, that makes you think and connects it, it connects it more. So if everyone could just apply that, we would sit in less boring meetings. Probably just for for everyone listening, take a look at this episode. Um, for 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 us having to present on Zoom and, and pitch on Zoom. Um, we have to try really to improve the way that we deliver the message and these types of uh, tips really help make it more recept receivable, receptive, uh, I don't know, digestible, something that keeps the attention of the people on the other end of the screen um, because God knows they have a lot of other tabs that could be taking their attention away from whatever you're trying to say. I feel like we could spend a lot of time having sat through and presented in zoom meetings, we could spend a lot of time talking about tips that we think we should, we should share or things that have been shared with us that we can share with other people. Maybe uh, next episode we can have, we can touch on some of those. All right. Well, let's, um, let's switch tracks and um, to a more festive um, topic. How about we talk about holiday advertising in the age of COVID? Um, the holidays are approaching. Yes, we will have a holiday season this year. Yes, it'll probably look very different. Hopefully, there will be some news about treatments and vaccines. But not, nevertheless, marketers right now are, are entering that crucial fourth quarter. Um, I assume everyone who was um, who was affected by by the pandemic from a business standpoint is going to try to make up as much of it as possible through uh, through this next couple of months. How do you strike the right notes? Uh, when you're advertising for the holidays, knowing that your customers are stuck at home, uh, an increasing number is unemployed, many are sick, a lot of people are mourning the loss of loved ones. It's a, it's a, very, it's a very tricky situation during which to convey a sense of happiness and joy, which has been the traditional kind of pillar of messaging around this time. I, I, I'd love to hear uh, what you think um, and then share my thoughts on it as well. Yeah, I think, I mean, this, this is a really tricky one. I don't think anyone has, we've been through this before. And I think if you're thinking about it from a marketing perspective, like what one messaging is going to strike with, you know, with, with uh, everyone, not just customers, but like everyone. Because the, the traditional all out assault in your wallet is going to be toned deaf. You can't just go out there and be like, everything's happy, everything's great, um, you know, buy our stuff. Because um, that's just it's not going to work. But then, you know, you can't not say anything. I, in what I don't want is more unprecedented times, you know, please buy a Toyota, which they did a lot of. So, you know, I think it's going to be, I, I, I don't know. I think it's gonna it's gonna be hard. That's what that's what I do know, um, and I think you know it, what I have seen, what I've liked um, is you know Uber's latest campaign, the no mask, no ride, um, which took a very hard stance you know, to keep everyone safe. It caused an uproar in the anti-masker states where they said it was an assault on their 
freedoms or something like that. Um, but I think it's, you know, showing compassion, showing that you feel like you're as affected as they are in a, in a empathetic way um, when you're trying to make them buy your material things is going to be important. But, you know, I feel like you'll this year people are going to do it because it's habit and not because they necessarily want to because you are unlikely to spend the holidays with your loved ones um you're definitely not going to have a big family gathering like you would you know get five six different you know parts of your family together in one dining room uh you're not doing it anywhere cold uh, you're not doing it outside so i think you know not being together with people is going to be is going to be hard so i think you know sharing the love virtually through sending gifts to other people because you can't gift in person now. If I was going to take a very pragmatic, um, feelingsless approach to this, it's going to be shipping speed and shipping cost is going to be very, very prevalent in messaging because if you can ship for free and it'll get there quick, then it's, that's going to that's gonna get your dollars. Um, I, my, my family is in Hong Kong. I do all of my Christmas shopping for them online and it really comes down to where can I ship to Hong Kong from the US for nothing? <laughs> and that almost all the time is Mr. Porter. So that's, you know, I'm not paying $30, $40 per thing to ship to my family. So I feel like I've, I've been doing that particular aspect of it for a while. Um, and I think that that for me is going to where, where people are going to be focusing their you know, very bottom funnel approach to messaging. You know, I think, I think uh, advertisers will, will kind of divide into two camps and rightly so. I think there will be those that will, that will go out with this empathy-led, values-led message. You kind of mentioned, you know, Uber. I see the Cokes of the world who traditionally during, during the holidays advertise around cheer and family and togetherness. Um, you know, I see them, John Lewis in the UK, uh, you know, McDonald's, whatever, like the big, the big, big brands, the ones that are um, staples during holiday advertising season, really leaning into that. I think for the rest of us, and by us, I mean, for the rest of the advertising community, um, you probably have to be functional. Because if you're going to try to pile on to this, you know, sentimental message, um, you're just going to sound performative. And honestly, it's not going to add to your bottom line. So I agree. Communicate the, communicate the benefits of shopping with you. Um, clearly, I think you're right. Shipping, especially now, uh, shipping is going to be a really big problem, um, given that it's going to be a mail-in election year, uh, the likes of which we haven't seen before, given that e-commerce e volumes are already super high. I know that the likes of UPS are turning away new customers. So if you're an, you know, a retailer who is looking to shift their logistics partners, good luck doing that now. The doors, that opportunity has really closed. Um, so the supply chain logistics system is going to be completely overstretched. So planning, planning for that, making sure people know not to wait until last minute to shop for their gifts, really incentivizing, incentivizing them to do it as early as possible. Uh, all of these things are going to, are going to matter. And, you know, honestly, because people will not be lining up outside of stores by and large, um, everyone should be everyone should be able to do this online and we shouldn't, we should not be creating, um, 
the pent up thing that Black Friday and Cyber Monday usually create. Like we need to spread this out. That's my feeling is yeah. start start earlier, acknowledge acknowledge that it's going to be different and let people shop earlier so that we can actually get our gifts uh, on time and not have a disaster uh, that happened a few years ago when Amazon had a whole bunch of their gifts arriving late because UPS um, failed. Um, so yeah, so um, messaging wise, tricky time. Um, and aside from a few big brands, I would really stay away from trying to sound comforting, um, be transparent, be clear, be real. Yeah, I think I think just one one other thing as as you're talking, I was thinking is you people aren't going to be milling around the shopping centers and you know the department stores, so you're not going to have those impulse purchases as you go through. You know, you you go out to buy one present, and you see oh maybe this will be good, maybe that will be good. So maybe there is some um, changes in the shopping experience online. You know, is there a is there that sort of impulse purchase? page that you get to i think retargeting is going to be really important as it always is but even more so now um and the you know the recommendations as well could also be super important you know you saw you looked at this you like this you bought this what about this one and bundling you know as part of that uh, as well so the trying to mimic those walking down the aisle moments um to to get people to i guess buy more that's kind of what they want to do. Yeah. Also, I think people are going to be, um, it's going to get colder and people are going to be spending more time at home again uh, in much larger kind of quantities of time. If I'm going to see more uh, uncapped ads from the same advertiser running over and over and over again, like for the love of God, Hulu, YouTube, <laughs> sell more ads to more companies and those companies need to need to like really lean into this because everyone's going to be sitting in front of their TVs in front of the computers like streaming stuff like there is no reason why we should keep seeing the same thing 500,000 times like advertisers should be taking advantage of our eyeballs being glued to the screens and um and you know providing us a diversity of messaging um that 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 I think has to happen <laughs> For the love of God, frequency cap on Hulu. Jeez, come on. Get more get more brands to buy your ads, ad space, and don't show them every other ad break. You can go from not hearing about a brand to be really intrigued to mildly frustrated to absolutely never buying them in one 30-minute Brooklyn 99 episode. Like it's just sorted out. And also just it's not just on the connected TV, it's on display as well. There's some just frequency capping needs to be better in some cases, especially Mr. Porter. You're very bad at this. Very bad at frequency capping. I feel like we're going to have a sponsor in Mr. Porter pretty soon. Well, not after that. (laughs) Um, So listen, I think, I think one of the notes to finish on um, for this, for this uh, episode is maybe talk, take this theme, but kind of touch on small business um, a little bit and small business retailers, because uh, you mentioned something very interesting. You know, people aren't going to be milling around shopping malls. People aren't going to be in those um, high density kind of like environments. But your main streets, high streets, whatever you call them, um, where you have the independent um, stores, um, those are great places in my mind to go and still find something cool, something new. Um, I'm not even talking about it from the standpoint of supporting your local small business. I mean, that's always great, but it's great to do it when there's good stuff to to buy um but 
in where I live, um, I've noticed that it's been a great substitution of um, that kind of serendipitous discovery from the big box retailers to actually the small ones. Um, interesting point, but um, you know, Apple has closed all of their stores um, and the only way to buy Apple products is either online or through their authorized retailers. And there's a nice little computer shop uh, right here on Wilshire um, that actually is an authorized Apple reseller. And for the first time in my life, and I've been here for five years, I see lines of people outside their doors waiting to go and buy stuff. And like that sort of tells me that people are willing to substitute their loyalties. They're willing to go to these independent stores that are open, that are allowing people to come in limited capacity, explore, buy, and maybe you can find some alternatives that you wouldn't have previously thought of. So I think that that for me is where mom and pop shops, small businesses can really um, thrive and find new customers. Yeah, no, I think that's, I think that's great. I, I hadn't thought of that, but yeah, I think anything that you can do to, to this, this may be touching on the, the, you know, supporting a small business, but you know, a books is a great one that has a huge stock and they're not, not just plugging them, but they have a huge inventory of, of books, firsthand, secondhand. And you know, they're really, really good. I got a, a cookbook shipped from the UK um, for normal prices. And I was like, you know, Amazon, were going to charge me twice as much to, to get the same book in the same amount of time. So yeah, there are alternatives to the big, big box stores. And, you know, you can actually, that, that a books has a lot of really old first editions. So if you are looking for something a bit more special, that's a great place to go to, which I'd never would have thought of um, before. If there is one thing I learned about you is that you like cookbooks. You really love cookbooks. You love them a lot. I love them a lot. I think I have 17 cookbooks and that's not enough. There are, there are so many more cookbooks to have. <laughs> and I always wonder who buys them. Well, now I know. <laughs> well, now you know. Now, you know, I have, I, yes, I love cookbooks. As you know, from the beginning, I love cooking. So yeah, that checks out. All right. Well, listen, this, um, I think brings our show to uh, a wrap. We have um, some interesting topics planned for next time. I think we'll focus our attention a little bit more globally. Um, and I'm excited to discuss that with you and have quality bands around that. Um, but for now, uh, we've solved some good pertinent problems. Um, discussed good things and um, I look forward to speaking to you about more things next time brilliant thanks Gosha thanks Alex and thanks to everyone for listening